Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. What's stopping millennials from saving and investing? Are there too many avocados in our shopping baskets? Are we spending too much of our income on rent? Or do we just require more emojis in our letters from the bank to make our money megalols? Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Kate Bealey, FT Money reporter, and this week I'm bringing you a millennial money takeover as we look at the saving and investing apps that are letting millennials manage their money from their mobile phones. Are these apps a good way of using tech to boost our savings power or a gimmick that many of us could do without? I'm joined today in the studio by three FT millennials who have road tested some saving and investing apps. We're going to look at how much they managed to save and what they thought of the apps they used. So first up, it's Rihanna Croxford, who's written this piece and also trialled an app. So Rihanna, for anyone who's never come across a savings or investment app, what do they do? And can you give us some examples? So these fintech apps offer a range of different purposes to suit lots of different needs. So you've got things such as budgeting, saving and investing. Uh, they basically use your financial data to help you control and monitor your spending, to help you change your habits, track them and keep you more mindful of your income and expenditure. So there's a lot of analysis that goes on and a lot of them are quite skilled in giving you lots of charts and infographics to see how your assets and your net worth change over time. Some examples are, for instance, you've got Moneybox and this really helps you with investing. So what it, how it works is... Um, it basically rounds up each of your purchases to the nearest pound and that surplus, whether it's ATP or 20p, then goes directly into perhaps the stocks and shares ISA. And this helps promote investing. Brilliant. So according to your piece, there are an absolute ton of these apps on the market now. So what sparked this kind of sudden wave of innovation? Um, it's probably down to, it's definitely down to open banking, which launched here in the UK in January And uh, this basically allows banks to share your financial data, such as your spending patterns and financial transactions, with other third-party providers regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, and uh, other EU equivalents. And it's all encrypted, and you'd never be asked to share your passwords or your login details, and it all has to be done with your consent. And it was basically introduced to help small and medium-sized banks be a bit more competitive by giving consumers greater transparency about the financial services on offer. Okay, and these kind of seem like they're a millennial phenomenon, or people seem to talk about these apps as kind of a millennial thing. Why Why is that? Well, I think it's all fair to say that millennials are glued to their phones. True. So a recent study showed, for instance, that 72% of the UK population will be managing their current accounts through their mobile phones by 2023. And uh, it's a great appeal to the millennial generation who are glued to their phones and perhaps prefer banks built on phones and of brick and mortar. Okay. Um, What about who regulates these things? How safe is your money with one of these apps? Yeah, so it's regulated by the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority, and other EU equivalents. And um, you'd never be asked to share your passwords or your login details. And it's all encrypted. 
it's all done with your consent so there there is an extra safeguard and as a result of that there is no there's no difficulty or any fear in having your data being leaked to other providers without your consent and you're also regulated by data protection laws and the financial ombudsman service so that's an extra safeguard okay brilliant so you use an app called you need a budget what was your goal using this app and how did you find using it so i found at university i was a bit financially irresponsible to put it simply i think you're probably not alone there <laughs> definitely and i think uh, with a lot of my friends I was had a sort of constant fear of looking at my bank statement and seeing how much was my it was in my account and permanently praying it was going to be green. So my goal, I think, having just entered working life, is to become more mindful of my finances and to change my spending habits, become a bit more accountable. I had very mixed feelings towards the app. On the surface, the interface is really easy to use. So you need a budget works by using very simple envelope style budgeting system quite traditional to what perhaps your parents may have used i've got you know a budget for rent food i'm putting this money to the side so i don't use it just you've got this on your phone and you can see it so it's really easy to track in that sense um however the main downside that i found and is that it only directly syncs with us and canadian banks so uk users have to input all of their expenses manually or import their current account statements which you think which we would think what's the point of doing that you it's know quite time using, intensive this is why i'm using technology so they can do it all for me um so that seemed a bit of an added burden and as well as that it was a bit it seemed a bit dated in terms of like the charts that it could offer and the analysis it could provide and uh, i was quite surprised because it's always been one of the most popular apps like any review you see it's always oh, yeah, use this app. And you're like, has anyone tried it to see? Mm, and so we're glad we did. And uh... Well, we'll find out how much you actually managed to save uh, a bit later on. We'll come back to you. Uh, but now I'm joined by FT reporter Camilla Hodgson. Now, Camilla, you've spent the month with Emma, haven't you? Tell me a bit about her or rather it. So Emma is an app that links to your bank's statement and it tracks and categorises your spending. It's quite simple. It sounds a bit like you need a budget um, in that it's that kind of envelope model of... Um, food money, rent money, etc. Um, and it also lets you check your bank balance in real time. Okay, you didn't exactly find it successful, did you? No, I I wasn't really sure, to be honest, what the point of it was because it's it essentially just functions like a bank statement with, I suppose, the added benefit of it is the categorisation, which you don't normally get when you're just looking at your bank statement. But beyond that, it didn't really do very much. And your saving wasn't uh, very successful, was it? No, I saved zero pounds. Um, it says that it's meant to prompt you at the end of every month to save a certain amount based on what you've spent and your income. But I didn't ever get any kind of prompt. Mm, interesting. So would you stick with Emma or have you had enough of her, do you think? No, I've had enough of her. Fair enough. Now let's hear from the FT's retail banking correspondent, Nick McGaw, who had quite a strong reaction to the app that he used. So Nick, firstly, which app did you use and what was it designed to do? So I was using Chip, which um, it's designed to sort of, it connects to your bank account, you put in all of your details, and then it it uses an algorithm to kind of work out what it thinks you can afford uh, to save and then transfers money automatically on a weekly basis to to a separate savings account. Okay, so it sounds like the most irritating thing about this app actually had nothing to do with how much you managed to save, but rather the volume of gifts uh, that you were bombarded with. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, like at a basic level, the app does its job quite well. I mean, it's it's a clever enough 
piece of tech but you do get a bit of a sense that at some point in the design of this there was a kind of you know bunch of old dudes in a room being like <laughs> the young the young people like gifts right good we will give them all the gifts all the hashtags and every it, it's just it's slightly condescending um sort of sense that you know if this is for young people then you can't handle serious things about money okay um so do you think the app ultimately helped you would you keep using it i mean no really i mean it sort of did it did it help me like it's an interesting exercise it makes you think about things and so i can see if you usually don't really engage with your savings or like you just have money sitting around everything sitting around in one current account without really paying any attention to it then it could be useful for you to so it gives you a bit of a kick to make you realise you can do certain things. But basically, it works out what you can afford. It doesn't change what you can afford. So yeah. it didn't really do anything that I couldn't have done on my own. Yeah, and if a load of your money is still going on rent, that doesn't change yeah, exactly. because of this app. And you obviously write about retail banks in your day-to-day. In the piece, a lot of people interviewed said that one really positive thing about these apps um, was that actually they're far better than traditional banks when it comes to kind of balance updates, the user interface, um, and all of the kind of tech things. So do you think there's a sense that these apps are threatening the big bank? I mean, so if you go back a couple of years ago, there was a lot of talk, a lot more talk about sort of you know these like nimble fintech startups kind of coming in and taking the big banks kind of market share and stuff and if you talk to them now they're certainly they're paying attention to people like monzo who i think have a very good reputation i think was mentioned in the piece for for sort of yeah giving giving kind of more updates and and engaging with people more, uh, with their customers but the big banks are kind of increasingly confident that they can basically they're definitely paying attention to them, but they're, they're increasingly confident that they can kind of replicate the good stuff, uh, offer some things of their own. Um, now, to be honest, the thing that worries them more is if some big tech giant like Amazon or Facebook comes in. But okay. um, you do have so like people like HSBC um, releasing their own app that lets you kind of aggregate all of your things from different areas. So they um, are making moves in that space. Trying to make more moves and kind of, yeah. Okay, up. brilliant. Thanks very much, Nick. And now it's time for the scores on the doors. So over the month, each of our three millennials has battled it out to see who could save the most. But who's actually won? So Camilla, we've heard from you. You saved a grand total of? Zero. Yeah, so probably not the winner there. And Nick, we can see that you've saved £118.06. And And what about you, Rihanna? I saved the most, so pat on the back there. Um, I saved £151.52 at the expense of a social life and any fun in the past month. Yeah, so mixed success there, <laughs> mixed according success. to you. And there is a catch with yours as well, isn't there, Anna? How much did this app cost? Yeah, so while most budgeting apps and saving apps are free, this co- this um, this app actually costs $83 or about £65 a year. Yeah, so that's taking quite a big chunk out of your profit there, isn't it? Definitely. So um, do you think, Rihanna, in the end, are these apps actually solving a problem or are they just a reinvention of the traditional ways of saving that we might associate with our parents, for example, like putting money in envelopes on payday or just stashing it in a piggy bank? I think it's definitely a reinvention in that they're trying to create a solution for problems where there isn't really a need for them. I think at the heart of this, we realised a couple of things. So firstly, is that we all craved simplicity when it came to managing our finances. Part of the appeal of using technology was to have, at the touch of a button, you could see a snapshot of your account, your credit cards, you know. Where is your money going every month? Do you have an addiction to prep coffee? Oh, you do. You spent £50 on that already in the past four weeks. There is that kind of appeal of having it all at a glance. 
Having said that, there are very few apps that actually work to change those habits. I think we all found that they were useful and that they do encourage you to engage more with your finances. But ultimately, that that responsibility is on you. And it's no different to just going onto your normal banking app and transferring XYZ amount of money every month. You'd probably save a lot more. What we did find was the apps that we thought were the most successful were the ones that had an additional function. So ones that, not like Emma, that seem like a bank statement, but ones like Moneybox, which provide like a nice top-up to the level amount, the, the amount that you would save every month. Um, whether it's an extra £50, £200 or £30, it was a nice top-up to what you'd normally do. And that was like an added function that made it seem different to all of the other apps. And potentially the, the, the entry into the world of investing if you hadn't Definitely. been a part of that. So these apps are potentially, in your view, better for investing than saving. Oh, 100%. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Camilla, what do you think? Direct debit to your savings account or smartphone saving and investing? Um, yeah, I think I would echo that. I think the apps that intervene in some way and change what you're doing already, such as Moneybox, they have a place and that's something that you wouldn't necessarily think to do otherwise. Um, and So that can be useful, but I think something that just replicates your your banking app account, I don't know how useful that is really. Um, having said that, there is that added benefit of categorisation I think one benefit is while you look at your bank statement and it shows you what your balance is, it doesn't necessarily say how much you're spending on whether it's food, going out, drinks, where is your money going? And these apps do do that. And it is a way of prompting you to change your behaviour if you can see that you're you're spending a lot of money, uh, whether it's at Sainsbury's or Pret's or your favourite pub, and being able to see how that total accumulates across a month or a period of time is a good way of keeping you mindful. Okay, well, thanks very much to Rihanna, Nick and Camilla. You can read that cover feature online now at ft.com slash money. And let us know how you budget and whether you prefer high-tech or traditional when it comes to saving and investing. And how good are you at saving money full stop? In a few weeks' time, the FT has challenged me and FT money editor Claire Barrett to see who can have the most fun on the least money for seven days. What are your top tips for living the high life at a low cost? How do you get the best deals on life's luxuries? And what are the best free or nearly free things to do in London? Maybe you've been creative and started a supper club as an alternative to expensive restaurants or a swishing club for exchanging clothes you no longer wear with friends. Email us, money at ft.com. We'd love to hear from you and we will publish the best ones as part of the forthcoming feature. As usual, if you've got any stories or questions to post to our team of financial experts, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at money at ft.com, tweet us at ftmoney or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. We'll be back next Thursday. In the meantime, happy saving. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.